I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with me that there, amen, clap. We all, we all clap together because there, there's nothing more exciting than a changed life. Now, now, why is that so? Because we know how difficult it is to change. If you're like Dean and you admit that you're an alcoholic, we know the challenge that is. And to say that God took that away is truly a miracle. And yet each one of us have our own struggle in our life that's just as deep, just as difficult. We don't change easily or or quickly, and so when someone changes like that, we celebrate it. But Dean gave us the key in the middle of what he said there. I love it. He said, I was changed by the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. You see, so, so often we talk about Jesus' power to change us, but we leave out the Holy Spirit. You, you see, we've got to have both. Let me give you a picture of the, the power flow to a, to a plant or from a plant. You, you, you've got this picture of, of how it happens. You've got a, a powerful plant. You've got transformers. You've got substations. You've got regulators. You've got wires that, that all lead it to come in the long run to your home. And, and along the way, the goal is that the same power available to that plant is the power that's available in your life. But you live a long ways away from it. And often we think, if I could have just lived back there with Jesus, man, I'd have really been changed. I'd have really been on fire. The early disciples had that same fear. Jesus, you're leaving us. What in the world are we going to do? And Jesus says, let me tell you guys, I've got a transformer. I've got a regulator. I've got some wires connected to you. It's called the Holy Spirit. And the same power you've experienced right here with me will be just the same in your own life. And so, here's what the Holy Spirit does. The disciples could go, you know what? We're going to carry the same power. And though we may live 2,000 years from the life of Jesus, often you may feel distant from God. Here's why we've got to have the Holy Spirit, guys, is because it's what keeps us connected. It's what gives us this power. So today, we're going to talk about this, this power flow and how it remains in our life. You see... The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give you power, not just selfish power so you might do something, but power for that mission. We've been looking at that in the book of Acts the last few weeks. And last Sunday, we talked about keeping in the flow. How do you make sure those wires don't come down? Well, we gave you this acrostic. We said, first of all, you've got to be open to the Spirit. I love when Dean says, I knew I couldn't overcome this without a power bigger than me. Second, you've got to follow the Spirit's lead. It's like walking on that moving sidewalk. You're walking, you're stepping, but you're going a whole lot faster and more powerfully because you've got a power. It's when we come together like right now and worship in the Spirit. What a great time of worship we've had today. This is meant to be a, a Spirit-filled time where you connect with the Spirit. And then finally, it's when you leave the house, you leave this house, you leave your house out on a mission. You see, what I want you to understand, this message series, I'm not doing a a full message series here on everything about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Spirit of God and the mission of God and the connection that, quite frankly, I missed. 
We saw it in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, last words on this earth, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You keep the flow going. Now today, here's what I want to get to. What happens when the flow of God's power gets to you? And so today, we're going to look at verses in the New Testament to tell how the power of the Holy Spirit meets you in mission. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm a fellow learner with you guys on this. You know, th- this is new territory for me. In fact, it hit me a couple of days ago. I was looking over my notes. Five of the six passages I've been used today, I could guess I've never used in a sermon before. Now, I've read them, but I just sort of missed them. Let, let's start with one. What are the things God gives you? First thing, the Spirit gives you noticeable attractiveness. Look at this passage from Romans chapter 14. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy where? In the Holy Spirit. He said, your life's not just about eating meals and going to work and getting sleep and just getting your daily routine. There's more to your life. Your life is, is, is a power that you receive and a transformation that you receive through the Holy Spirit. Goodness, joy, peace. Think about how elusive those are for us as we try to work for them on our own. But you see, the goal of the Spirit is for Him to transform you by His power to have those things. So, I ask you this morning, do you understand the order of this verse? Look at the next verse. Look at verse 18. Here's what happens when you have this power and this transformation. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God, and others will approve of you too. Please God, and others approve. Now, listen to me, my friends. We get in trouble when we change that order. When my first goal is to please others, then I end up doing a lot of things I shouldn't do. But when my first goal is to please God, then here's what happens. The Holy Spirit moves into my life and changes my character and the way I treat people, and it begins to attract other people who don't even know Jesus. I always remember a meeting years ago when Landmark had been through a lot of changes, and everybody was questioning us, and everybody predicted that Landmark would close, and all those kind of things because of what we had done. And I remember our elders meeting with a powerful man here in town, and he was asking about it. I'll never forget Don Terrell looking across that table and saying to this man who needed to hear it in his organization, Let me tell you, brother, as long as the Lamar elders tried to please everybody, we pleased nobody. When we finally decided our major goal was to please God, then the craziest thing happened. Our church got at peace. And that's what happens, friends. You please God, and then here's what's going to happen. You please God, and you get connected with the Holy Spirit. You start being a different person. Can I ask you this morning, to the people around you, is it noticeable that you have more love? I mean, do, do people notice in you and in I that, you know, we have a peace. I mean, anybody can have peace when everything's going their way, but that you and I, we have peace when there's a storm around us and everybody else is freaking out. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. You and I should exhibit more kindness than our neighbors who don't know Jesus. We should exhibit more self-control than someone who follows Muhammad. We should exhibit more peace than someone who's a Buddhist. The difference should be noticeable. 
That's why the Bible calls it the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's not the fruit of your labor. It's the fruit of what the Spirit does in you. And when that happens, you'll get the greatest compliment in your life. What, what, could you tell me what's different about you? I mean, everybody at the office is freaking out, and you're peaceful. Everybody on our football team is just scared to death about what, what's going on here, but you, you seem focused. And you're able to go, you know what? It's, it's just not me. I found this peace in Jesus Christ. Now, listen to me. I'm not telling you any of those things or asking any of those questions to make you feel guilty. Because you don't have enough peace or enough joy. I lived that way too many days of my life. I'm telling you to point out to you why we need the Holy Spirit. Anybody says that we can do church like they did it in the first century without the Holy Spirit is making a mistake. Anybody who says, I can live like Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit is fooling themselves. And so don't feel guilty about this. Just get plugged in with the Spirit. Second thing the Holy Spirit does, he gives us undeniable conviction. Listen to what Paul said. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, because words are not enough, but also with power, here we go, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, you know how he lived among you for your sake. These people have undeniable conviction. Some translations say deep certainty. Others say sure knowledge. What is conviction? Conviction is when deep down within you, you this, this is just so true, you can't be quite about it. I've been trying to think of what's a segment of our population that's shown this really well. And, and the people I want to point out to you, and that's not to make anybody in here feel guilty about things in your past, but it's those people in the march to life. You know there were a million people two weeks ago in Washington, D.C., marching for life? No, no why are they doing that? Now, the media's not going to cover that much. They're going to cover a much smaller march the next day. But see, we've got a group of people that are so convicted that life begins at conception that they're willing to fight for life. Now, guess what? Roe versus Wade happened in what year? Anybody can guess? 1973. Way back in 1973, the Supreme Court changed hundreds of years of tradition and law and said abortion is okay here we are all these years later, and there's still millions of people. Some of you have been involved in this, convicted enough to say, you know what, I don't care what the government says. We are actually taking people's lives, and I'm not going to be quiet about it. That's conviction. And guys, what, what Paul has is conviction not simply about human life, which that's a big enough deal, but Paul has conviction about eternal life. He says, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys, this is so deep in me that I can't, be, I can't shut up about it. Preacher doesn't have to coerce me. doesn't have to guilt trip me in this. I, I, I have this power from the Holy Spirit that says, I'm going to talk about it. Now, I, I see so many people with this. Many of you were here just a few Sundays ago when we had Bruce Kuhn here from the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. And you remember he was um, a one-act play of the Gospel of Luke. And we asked him to come do two chapters for us. And it was just amazing. But what was more amazing to me is what I found out with the conversation with him afterwards. Is that what he's doing, he lives in Europe. His goal is to train people across the world to memorize and storytell the Gospel of Luke. Because listen to this. There are places in the world where you cannot take a Bible without being arrested. But you can tell a story. 
And so here's what Bruce is doing. He's training people in some of these really odd languages in communist and Muslim countries where you couldn't take a Bible in. He's training people to get up and tell the gospel of Luke, and they don't get arrested. That's conviction. i got to get it to somebody. And we're going to do anything we can to smuggle the gospel into these situations. I think about many of you here today, like David knows, who's involved in our prison ministries. Who really wants to go into prisons except someone who's convicted that everybody, including prisoners, deserves to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Today we're so blessed to have Bill and Judy Bates with us. Do you recognize today they uprooted just a great life here in Montgomery 12 years ago and went to China? Why do you do that? Some ways even divided from your family. Life's not quite so comfortable. Pollution's crazy. Why do you do that? Because you're convicted of the truth of the gospel. Bill Bates is, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, is 69 years old. And he's here now today with us, and he's itching to get back to China. Who does that? I'll tell you who does it. It's people who've been convicted about the Holy Spirit and convicted by the Spirit that, you know, this is just something i got to say. At a point now, I have young preachers come talk to me about preaching. And they, they ask questions like, how do you get over your nervousness, which you never completely get over. Or, you know, how do you get up there? Man, you're at a conference and there's 10 people speaking, and you know everybody's going to compare everybody who speaks. How do, you, how do you do that? How do you preach every Sunday? And, and here's my answer, guys. The, the answer is this. You get so convicted about what you're saying that you don't care what anybody else thinks. The, the Sundays I can really preach, guys, are the Sundays I'm not really worried about what you think. I'm just so convicted that this is the truth of God's Word that I've got to say it. My friends, that takes the nervousness away. Th- that takes the apprehension of what are they going to say when they get in the car about the sermon today. No, I, I really, you know, and so what I try to do before I get up and preach is go, buddy, do you believe this? Is this from God? And if this is from God, man, you can't hold back. So it's that kind of conviction that only comes from the Holy Spirit. And then connected to this, here's a verse we did look at last week. It's unstoppable boldness. You remember the context here? The apostles are being arrested. The gospel is being outlawed. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, the church gets together. They don't pray for protection. Listen to what they pray for. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they are all filled with the Holy Spirit, and spoke the word of God boldly. They couldn't stop speaking it because they were convicted, and the Spirit gave them boldness even when their life was on the line. My friends, when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you are unstoppable. Because there will be over 300,000 martyrs, Christian martyrs, people who lose their life for preaching the gospel in our world this year. Why do people, why are people willing to do that? Because God's given them a boldness. We've got a lot of Faulkner baseball players with us today. And they're, 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 trying, they're, they're trying to share their, their faith on a baseball team where everybody doesn't want to listen to it. In a baseball team that many of the members feel ostracized on a Christian campus. And yet we've got a nucleus of guys sitting right here and right here that are, you know what? I, I can't shut up about this. I've got to say it. And you're seeing people come to the Lord because of that. It's that kind of boldness that we need. It's unstoppable. That's what Bill and Judy Bates have. As we were talking to them this week, 
You know, China is taking a bad turn when it comes to Christianity. I visited China about 12, 15 years ago, and the doors were open. You'd see Christian bookstores on some streets. But since the latest premiere about a year and a half ago, he's going back to the old laws. Here's some of the laws. You cannot teach a person under 17 years old from the Bible. You cannot have a Bible study in your home. We are outlawing church buildings. You know, it had gotten so good that churches were now able to build church buildings in China with, with, with crosses on top. The government's coming into those cities now, knocking those crosses down and transferring those buildings to something else. So, Bill, Judy, you could get in trouble. Their apartment is over a public restroom. They have to be careful about how loud they sing because if people heard it and they reported it, they might get in trouble. They've cut their praise team mics way down, okay? I mean, they just, it, it just it happened. Why, why do you do that? Because you're convicted that these people in China, billions of them, need the gospel. And God's given you a boldness that you can't stop talking about it. And so now they're getting the blessing. Bill works with 10th grade high school students that he gets to teach them. You know what he can do in his high school? When Christmas comes around and Easter comes around, he can tell them the story of Jesus. He can't still do that. He can teach them English and the Bible. And now they're having high school students who go off to college and find some kind of Christian group to connect with, and now they've lived there long enough that they're coming back to their hometown and living for Jesus. And then one more point here, irresistible wisdom. This is a cool, cool verse. This is Stephen before he's going to be killed for sharing his faith. Here's what they said about him. But they could not stand up against the wisdom, the Spirit, you catch that? The Spirit gave him as he spoke. Some translations said, they could not argue with Stephen. They were not able to resist his words. It's irresistible wisdom. And guys, we all want to say the right words. One of the cool promises of the Holy Spirit is he'll give us the right words. I love it when I see people who know how to make the case. One of my favorite authors, a guy named Timothy Keller, he's a preacher in New York City. I mean, he'll tell you, statistics in New York is maybe 10, 15% are believers in Jesus Christ. My kids live there. And, and, and to really stand up for biblical values, to stand up for biblical values in that culture about this issue I just mentioned, abortion, you're kidding. state of New York just said you can have abortion any time in your term. To stand up for biblical values when it comes to marriage? To stand up for biblical values that there is such a thing as absolute truth? That's really hard. But Tim Keller has been given this gift from the Holy Spirit to be able to make the case in a secular culture. First book I read from him, a good friend of mine referred me to, it was called The Reason for God. And it wasn't really focused on people like you and me. It was focused on people who don't believe in their questions about the problem of evil and how do you prove the existence of God and what do you do about seeming contradictions in Scripture. And yet this man is so good at this that his church, a few times a week, atheists and secularists are invited just to come to the church building and just ask questions. And he's able to engage with them. That's a powerful gift. 
If any of you have been blessed like I've been to, to go to our prisons with our prison minister, David Knowles, nobody just look at David and go, this is the guy that we reach these hardened prisoners. But oh my goodness, how he loves them and how he communicates with them. And how he connects with them and the wisdom the Spirit has given him to walk in there. If you've ever watched Ed and Barbara Bice dealing with an addict and what you do and what you don't know, don't do. It's a, it's a, a wisdom. If you ever heard Tim Lee talking to someone who's addicted to gambling, he's the greatest ministries in our church. That doesn't come from him. I've known Tim a long time. It comes from the wisdom of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So God will give us that. And here's what it will lead to. When you put all these four points together, you've got an attractional life that people go, you know what? you got something I don't got. You've got a conviction of truth. You've got a boldness about it. You've got wisdom in how to respond to people. You're not a jerk. Sorry about that. You're not a jerk. Then here's what happens. You have remarkable growth. I mean, look at just a couple passages with me. First of all, talking about John the Baptist and his ministry. Now, who would ever pick these, this rough guy wearing camel's, you know, skin and eating all kinds of weird stuff out in the wilderness, not even the major population centers, to lead a revival to prepare for Jesus? But here's the key. Luke chapter 1, verse 15. For he, John, the ba- John excuse me, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with, guess what, the Holy Spirit, even before he's born. And here's what he'll do by the Spirit. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Oh, my goodness. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. This rough guy leads a revival. We get to the book of Acts, and we all grew up in church, many of us, that said, we want to be the church in Acts. I say amen. But here's what I missed too long. I missed why the church in Acts was the church in Acts. Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 24. This is about Barnabas. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And here's the connection. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. You see, God's got a power, and when we tap that power, there's remarkable growth. When I was asking Bill and Judy about China, I was like, what happens, you know, if, if you get in trouble? Well, the worst thing probably is they get kicked out of the country. Well, well, how would that make you feel? And Bill said something I'd heard before, but I wasn't putting it together. I was like, oh, that'd be terrible. He said, buddy, he says, in 1949, when the communists overtook China, and they kicked out all the Christian missionaries, and there have been a bunch of them. There were 70,000 professed Christians in China. When in the late 70s and 80s, the bamboo curtain came down, we got in there, and we didn't think we were going to find any Christians, but the house church movement had produced 70 million Christians. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit's work. We were meeting with um, a group called Missions Resource Network. It's an evil organization that hired Andy Johnson. <laughs> so I had a pretty bad attitude just walking in the meeting. 
And, um, man, they, they, they shared some great stuff. We don't hear this stuff. We need to hear this. In the last 15 years, more Muslims, Muslims have come to Christ than over the last 2,000 years. Now, now how is that happening? You say, boy, we, we, that's not what we hear. Here's, here's the biggest way it's happening right now. This is crazy good. We hear everybody complaining about refugees. God's using it. All these Middle Eastern refugees that are fleeing the Islamic terrorism, they're ending up, most of them, in Europe. And, and they get there, guys, and guess what? No longer are they forced to follow Muhammad. And in fact, they're a little turned off by what they've seen. And they find themselves in this Western country. They're locked, you know, they're, they're put away in this refugee camp. They don't really have anything to do. And guess who the attractive people are who bring them food? Christians. And guess what they're open to listen to? The gospel. Got a friend emailed me this past week about 10 people baptized outside a refugee camp because the doors are opening. And guys, that's what happens when we allow the power. They're sharing stories that sound like acts. Here's something Mission Resource Network told us. Of these Muslim people who come to Europe, they've surveyed them. Four out of seven have had dreams and visions about Jesus Christ. Now, read that in Acts. And it's happening. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we want remarkable growth. As much as anything, I want remarkable growth here in the Landmark Church. And, man, we can try all the techniques and read all the church growth books, and we actually do. But I'm telling you, the only way there's going to really be remarkable growth is when you and I tap into the power of the Holy Spirit that makes our lives so beautiful, people ask questions, that gives us a conviction we can't keep up, that allows us to be bold when people want us to shut up, and gives us the wisdom of how to respond to people in grace and love. That's when it happens. So we've got an opportunity to be a part of this. Next Sunday's a big day for us. It's a Mission Sunday. If you're new here, we do a once-a-year collection for our missions ministry. Our goal next Sunday will be $210,000. And here's what I want you to say. You're a part of the goal. All of that money, it goes from this building. It goes to all kinds of places around the world. Now, one thing we've never pointed out is um, we, don't, we don't take the missions minister salary out of this, Okay. Mission minister salary comes out of your regular contribution, and that's all been freed up for good things now. Okay, missions minister. <laughs> Sorry, we cut it off this week. Okay, now. So everything that you give is going to go to missions. And we've got some amazing, please, please don't take me seriously there. You know how much I love Andy, that's why I'm mad. Okay, now. It goes overseas. We've got two families in China. What an opportunity. We've got two families in Turkey, right on that Mediterranean ridge, a rim where the gospel is being opened to the Muslim world. Many of you have been to Mintendary Village in Malawi and served there. We're still part of that orphanage. Locally, we get a part, do you a part? You get to be a part. I get to go into all the prisons in our statewide prison ministry. 
In this church, the most successful ministries, what Dean Odom talked about earlier, is RSVP that helps people overcome addictions. Your mission's contribution goes toward that and also toward the shed that's a recovery house. Every gift goes. Not a dime is going to go. You know, we live as a church on a 51-week budget, saying that everything on this next Sunday goes to missions. And, And not only that, though, you also, you're part of this because every day you get to go to my favorite translation, Matthew 28, 20, the Great Commission, which says go into all the world is as you go. It's not saying you got to go to China or Turkey. What it is saying is everywhere you and I go, every day we share the gospel. Now, a friend of mine pointed out a typo in our outline. I didn't really mean every day. What I really meant was Every day, not just next Sunday. So every one of your gifts matters. Every gift goes. Every gift matters. And then finally, you get to be a part of that go. And, and I love, no, honestly, it's a fortunate typo there. Because when you put every day together, go to the next slide, if you will. I'm sort of getting mixed up. Sorry, my fault. What it just really means is every day is an adjective, which is just an every, say, just this an everyday deal. It's like um, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 in the message. Take your everyday, ordinary life, place it before God as an offering. Well, what's that saying? These guys, when you leave here today, you leave on this mission, and it permeates not just what we're going to give next Sunday or what we do when we meet here as a church. It will just permeate your everyday life. When you go to work, you're on a mission for God. When you walk your neighborhood, you're on a mission for God. When you walk into your school, you're on a mission for God. It's just your everyday, ordinary life counts for God. You guys, here's how it happens. Let's go back to our, our beginning picture of, of this power plant. I mean, we know that God is all power. There's not a question of God's power. The question is, do I allow God's power to get to me? You see, what the Holy Spirit's goal is to make sure the very power that changed the world in the first century gets here to 2019. The very power that made the church explode in the book of Acts would allow us to explode right here again today because we're connected with that power. But here's what you've got to remember. Don't miss this point. As much power as God has, as much as the Holy Spirit wants to transmit it all the way 2,000 years to your life and make sure it's just right for you, you still got to flip the switch. You can have all the power of the world come to your home, but if you don't flip the switch, the lights don't come on. If you don't cut on the air conditioner or the heater, it doesn't happen. You've got to flip the switch. And here's the thing, this is why we're preaching this series right now, is to challenge all of us to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, to be willing to flip that switch and say, you know what, I, I, I just can't live this life on my own. I need some power. In me being bold for Christ, oh my goodness, I need power. And so today, maybe you need to flip the switch by being baptized today and receiving the remission of your sins and access the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's how you can live it. Or maybe somehow the flow has been interrupted in your life and you need to cut it back on. One way we cut it back on is we pray, as Jesus said, and we ask for the Holy Spirit. I mean, your life, it doesn't have that attractiveness. It doesn't have that beauty. 
Nobody's asking you, why, what do you got they don't have? And you're not living in this kind of power. Today, before you get out of here, we'd, we'd like, actually like to pray for you. If we could do that, why don't you come right now while we stand and sing?